Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast, boys and girls. Where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas. Joining me tonight, Carlin Gay of NBA.com. Carlin, good evening, sir. How are you? CT, how's it going, my man? I'm uh, I'm okay over here in the, in the great state of North Carolina. By the way, mm-hmm. as you know, I, I, am, I am a proud Canadian, uh, mm-hmm. but I do live in the great state of North Carolina now. Love it here in Charlotte. Uh, last week, it was in the 40s, and, I, and I've realized now that I've been a Southerner uh, far too long. I, I am soft. Like, I'm embarrassed now. Like, it gets to the 40s, and I'm like, oh, let's let's not go outside. Let's, let's change all plans. Let's stay in. Um, but now that it's back in the mid-70s, I'm, I'm a little bit happier. Wait, so what, you you just don't like it. Like, you're washed. You you used to be built for I, uh, the Canadian winters. I was, okay. I was, like, yeah, in the 40s, I, I'm still going out in shorts. Like, that's, mm. Canadians are – that's bombing in, in Canada. You know, like, that that's that's okay in Canada. Like, people are still tanning in that type of weather, weather in Canada. So, uh, for the 40s to hit me differently now, like, it chills my bones. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the house, and I'm still, like, complaining about how cold it is. So, now I, I, I realize – that I am, uh, I should be embarrassed, and they should probably revoke my passport uh, and, and just take it away from me. It, it really is at that point now. I just, I love this weather. I mean, it's, it's. I think it's going to chill back out this weekend, so I'll be freezing my tail off on Saturday for the Tennessee Georgia game. But um, mm. I don't know. I, I just, the fall season's great, but we did only get like two weeks of fall weather here in east tennessee and i'm sure it's the same because tennessee is so close to north carolina anyway that i'm sure we're getting the same kind of weather anyway the same kind of views in appalachia so those are also a a delightful delightful part i don't know if you're a big foliage guy but i'm a big foliage guy carlin i i am and and i'm I'm happy that you know in in north carolina we get that and even as you said east tennessee you get that a lot as well um you know there's other parts of the country especially even in the south that you know foliage doesn't happen or isn't as pretty or you only get it for maybe a week and then it's gone so to to be able to enjoy it a little bit more um definitely and i think we get it till like what thanksgiving so i I would definitely take advantage of it absolutely go hit the smoky mountains or any of the mountain ranges you can if you have not already done so during this time of year it's it's delightful but i will say the traffic getting into the smokies is preposterous um it's it's wild how bad the traffic is uh, as you inch closer closer and closer to that area it's worth it but you gotta time it you gotta time it just right yeah everyone wants to go see uh, and enjoy beauty at this mm-hmm. time of the year so you it's know, really you might as well take advantage of it so i mean yeah I wake up earlier that's why i get <laughs> yeah that's true i mean it is true um, but I don't know. I wish there was a ways button for that, uh, just to, to time it up. Like, oh, the weather's going to be nicest at this particular time. Here's when you need to, to wake up 4 a.m. or leave it like two o'clock in the afternoon. Cause for whatever reason, people are busy during that. I wish there was like a, a way to do that. Um, what did you, uh, what did you dress up as for Halloween? I didn't go out. It was too cold, okay. man. Yeah. It, it was, it was too cold, but on the docket, um, for next year, uh-huh. my wife and I, we had said that we're going to do it next year. We're going to be CeeLo and, and Chanel West Coast from uh, Ridiculousness. That's what we're going to go as uh, for Halloween next year. So that's that's our costume plans. I'm putting it out the year in advance, and uh, that, that's what we're going to do. Whose idea was it? I had no no part of this. This is definitely <laughs> all the wife. Like this, she she's come up with it. So I think she's already scattered out the outfits. Uh, so this is all her. But um, you know, providing that uh, Halloween isn't as cold as it was this year, mm. uh, we'll be out there uh, definitely. Maybe not trick or treating, but we'll be definitely partying somewhere. There you go. Um, the sports renaissance woman is in charge of ours too. But um, one of the things that's different when you get older, man, is just when you're in your 30s. It's just Halloween doesn't mean the same kind of thing. Like there's uh, the the going out energy is is gone. I'm washed. I'm over here just hanging out, watching uh, watching Halloween movies, <laughs> flipping back between basketball or football or whatever is on that I need to watch. And I'm just I'm I'm good. I don't need to to partake in the uh, the craziness. I don't have the energy anymore. It's just not. I'm closer to forty now, as uh, the sports renaissance woman reminded me last night. I'm closer to forty than I am twenty, and I very much feel that way. Um, I may not sound or look that way, but I I feel it in my bones. Speaking of bones, back to your cold weather 
uh, issues with your own bone density or whatever it is. Not getting enough calcium? I don't know. Do you need to start off your mornings with cold showers? That I had an old boss who did that? I don't know. I don't have the answer for you, Carlin. I'm just giving that's you... Not, that's not uh, Yeah. I don't know, but um, it's not for me. And I, I think she posited me that like, oh, what, what would you like to do for Halloween? I'm like, I would never dress up for Halloween ever if you ever, if you left it up to me. Like, you're in charge of that right. for forever because it's not happening. I, I'm just telling you, that is not uh, not something that's ever going to be on the docket for me. I'm like Nick Saban, what, what where there's only a, a, a finite amount of stuff that I can make decisions on and think about during the day. Uh, Halloween costumes doesn't make the cut. It doesn't make the cut. Yeah, ha- happy wife, happy life is it, as mm. they say. So I, you know, if she if she comes up with the idea and is excited about it, I'll play along. Um, I'll I'll, uh, I'll scheme and, and and just go along with it and uh, have a happier November uh, as a result of it. But mm-hmm. you, you know what? They, they, Halloween has to stop falling on the weekend. Like <laughs> as you said, there was a lot of there was a lot of college football going on. There was NFL Sunday. You know, I, I'm not interested in it. There's a lot of NBA as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in going out and you know having to think about what to do at Halloween. If Halloween falls in the middle of the week that way you can kind of plan around it or maybe even a thursday that'd be great after work drinks and you could you could call it an early day mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not i'm not interested in halloween falling in the middle of a, a great great college football saturday or even a, a football sunday or or just the nba basketball schedule as it is what as a canadian like how does your how does your college football fandom work are you a tar heel who are you a fan of I married into well, my my wife went to UT. My wife went oh, to the okay. University of Tennessee. She's a ball. Okay. But I married into a, a family that is uh, all UM fans. Like they are through and through Hurricane. My even though my wife went to UT and she still kind of supports uh, and is still happy and is extremely proud of the season that they're having. Rocky Top will always be home sweet home for her. Mm. But she is a fan of the University of Miami. She grew up in South Florida. Uh, her father is a huge UM fan, so I had no affiliation to any college in the states uh, prior to meeting her. Now I have two, um, but I'm a, I'm a UM fan. I, I have jumped on the bandwagon uh, probably at the wrong time in their uh, in their in their history. They, they've had some better days, um, but you know what? Maybe we might be going to the bowl. A couple more wins for Manny Diaz in the in the bunch, and uh, it seems like we found a quarterback in uh, in South Florida. So. Um, you know, and then there was a, there was actually a, a quarterback. I don't know if you know this. Maybe you do, because uh, I know you're a Georgia guy. Oh, I know where um, you're going with this. That, Are you that, going with my that, man Jake Garcia? Jake Garcia, yeah, the Netflix show. Jake Garcia, Mister Mister uh, uh, Southern Cal, and ends up mm-hmm. he's at Miami too. He was he's hurt, and um, I don't know if he'll he'll get on the field now that uh, TVD is playing so well. But right, uh, Jake Garcia, I, I liked I liked. What I've seen of him, the little clips of the show that they that he was on on Netflix looked like a stand-up guy that I, I saw. So uh, I'm 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 happy that he ended up in uh, in Miami. I don't know if he'll stay there forever because he looks like he wants to get on the field. So uh, mm. we'll see. So you didn't watch Title Town High? You just saw the clips. I, I watched some. Um, okay. I, I do have I do have uh, the wife does have two younger brothers, so mm. they, they they Netflix it and it does come. We share the account as everyone does. Mm. So I, I mean. We, I, I have seen it. Um, it's a little too. Uh, it, it's it's definitely not Last Chance You. <laughs> it's okay. definitely not that. Uh, but I have seen the clips of Title Ten, and I and I was interested to see uh, the head coach because I remember growing up watching the MTV show uh, Two Days, and yeah. he was yes, and he I, I recognized him from there. So that's uh, I was uh, interesting that he he was able to come back and get another TV show. But um, well, Jake Garcia is really the only person I know from the show. I didn't, I didn't even go beyond that. <laughs> Not a big uh, Amari Rogers guy. Um, no, I'm, what, I think no. It, it might not be Rogers. It might have been a receiver at Clemson. It's Amari something. Um, but either way, uh, he left the school because th- there was all kinds of fallout after that uh, that season right. for Rush Probst yes. at Valdosta, which I I've tried to talk like our next dog, like talk uh, the sports renaissance woman into naming him Rush Probst. Like I, I really want to just yell at Rush Probst and just have people really confused. Like that's a name I just want to walk around saying it's it's uh, my dog Rush Probst because he is such a legendary figure and he's just like if you ever had to draw up a uh, and I promise folks we'll get into basketball after this but if you ever had to like draw up just the most um, stereotypical Southern elite f- high school football coach he checks yeah. every box like he checks everything 100%. and the thing is like he he wins and he's just an all time great coach um all kinds of ethical issues like the the espn story and just the the everything i i, I don't have time to relitigate all of this in this podcast and i'm sure a lot of folks uh, don't want us to but 
just search out ESPN Rush Prep stories because it's preposterous, the backstory there. Um, but he also, in between that Valdosta and that time you were watching him on two-a-days, he was, he was killing it at Colquitt. Um, he got yep. in trouble at one point for headbutting a player, got suspended for a game. He busted his Jeez. forehead open. Um, he went in uh, no helmet, helmet, and he headbutted a, a kid with a helmet. Guess what? The kid with the helmet won. Um, yeah. It's a my it's amazing. Like him talking in general is just a an absolute delight. It, I can't turn away because when uh, elite Southern football coaches start talking, uh, I'm I, I just can't uh, I can't look away because it's always it always cracks me up. It always just amazes me, and it it's just it's something that I cannot explain to anybody else. Yeah, it is definitely uh, I guess must see TV as uh, we'll use that phrase for uh, for any of the uh, Southern elite football programs here. Um, you know, in the in the in the, uh, in the southeast, and maybe even maybe in the southwest too, because I mean they, they do have great football over there too. I don't know about the west coast and up north, but I, I know we got it down here in the south for sure. There's there's good town. I mean, you can make the case the Big Ten's the the best college football conference this year. Um, but uh, oh, okay, pushing back. I don't know. Michigan, Michigan yeah, State, Ohio State, yeah. Wisconsin's figured it out. I was good. I, I think they're pretty deep. The Big Ten's sneaky deep. It's still early. It is still early. It is still early. Well, don't forget, folks, you can read Carlin on NBA.com International, so go check him out there if you've not already done so. Go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com today for access to all of our previous episodes. Um, Go uh, check us out on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast is there. Uh, Follow myself at Chase, double underscore Thomas, and uh, all that good stuff. But um, Carlin. This week in basketball, what have you been watching? What have you found yourself watching a lot? Do you, because you're in Charlotte, do you gravitate more towards the Charlotte Hornets, or do you do you expand a lot more and you don't watch as much Hornets as one might assume? I, d- I don't uh, lock into one particular team for an entire season. I, I think just given the you know nature of my job, I do have to kind of know everything um, you know that's going on with each team. So the way that I structure my season is is I pick a team a week and really lock in and on them uh, hmm. on lead pass, and I'll, I'll follow them along that way just to kind of learn, especially this early in the season. I stay away from nationally televised games, so if there is an ESPN game or a TNT game, I don't I don't watch. I try to I try to stay away from that. Um, I, I feel like for me, uh, doing what I do, a lot of noise happens on those games. You either get overhyped with a player or underhyped with a player, hmm. uh, or, or you try to you know try to take away too much of what's happening um, with a specific team when they're on national tele, you know, nationally televised game, um, especially the TNT Thursday games. I really think like you, you get a, sometimes the best of a player or the worst of a player, and then people make an indictment on that being what their entire season is. And that's only because they're maybe on TNT once that year. So you got to get your hot takes off. On, you know, the, the the guys at the desk who do a great job of entertaining got to get their hot takes off and make sure that, hey, we're paying attention to everything. We know that Sacramento Kings stink and, you know, they, they're on TNT. They just got blown out. So this is what they are. Uh, so I try to stay away from the nationally televised games and really lock into local, um, you know, broadcasts of teams. And I, and I go through week by week. Um, right now, I'm on the Knicks. Uh, I watched them last night. Um, you know, play the Sixers. Obviously, it wasn't the Sixers squad that you know everyone expected to see uh, prior to Monday morning when we found out that Joel Embiid's not going to be around and all the injuries that's going to happen uh, with this team. So, um, you know, it, it was an interesting game and probably not a game that I was too hyped to watch, given the fact that there's a lot of injuries uh, on the Sixers team. But the, the Sixers are able to scrap and claw. Knicks are able to finally pull that out. And, I, and I'm going to continue to watch the Knicks the rest of the week here. And, and I'm interested in, in really seeing what they are this year. Um, because last year, it was Julius Randle. It was a complete team effort. We knew, we know that they won two ways. They were going to lock you down, and they were just going to outwork you, right? That's that's what the Knicks were going to do. I think this year, they have a little bit more scoring punch. Uh, they are you know, one of the top three-point shooting teams in the league, so that's changed from a year ago. They still have great defense. They're still going to outwork you. Uh, so I'm interested to see if this is a team that can maybe steal a round or two in the playoffs. Um, that That's really what I'm kind of looking for this year to see where they're at and, and their process and their growth process. Because, I mean, they could go 3-0 and this week and, and win a lot of games, and that would be great. But it's how they win them that I'm really interested in seeing. Well, it's interesting you bring out the three-point shooting for, for New York and you watched uh, Philly. Like, Did you notice, because Philly's effective field goal percentage as a team is pretty preposterous to this point through 10 games, um, when you watch that game and when you watch the Knicks, are they 
looks that are sustainable over the course of an 82 game season are the Sixers getting more lucky like are the Knicks just hot with the right guys but that's not sustainable what uh, what have you made of both of the shot selections for for both squads I think it's more for I think it's more about the Knicks really because you know you could take away the one game against Philly and they did shoot the ball um, you know poorly against Philly last night uh, I think they only knocked down 32 percent or around that range uh, from three point range against Philly um, but overall throughout the season they, they have internally gotten better as three point shooters Julius Randle uh, has has been uh, improving in that realm uh, R J Barrett has made great strides at his three point shot. Derek Rose has, you know, he's been a, a long time uh, reliable three point shooter now. But then you add the Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker to that mix, and that just gives you guys that you now have to respect on the three point line, where I don't think you would have had to respect their guards from a year ago. Um, so it, it, it does uh, lend to better three point shooting, but also better spacing on the floor. Um, so internally they got better, but they also added two capable three-point shooters in Walker and Fournier that are going to be able to knock down open shots. And, and when you look at Walker specifically, just the way he's able to find seams, I don't even think he's really – he's never going to get back to what he was at his peak in Charlotte. Um, you know, there was a season where he was a starter in the All-Star game. I think it was in Charlotte when he when that happened. Uh, I think that really was his peak, you know, his athletic peak. He, he was knifing in and really was terrific. That year I was able to see him play live about 20 times here in Charlotte. And he, he had an incredible game against, uh, I believe it was, I believe it was the Celtics. Um, but he had a 60-point effort. Um, it was just a phenomenal game. They lost the game, but he was incredible that night. And, and he has some of those flashes still in his game. He can't sustain that for a full 32-minute effort or a full 30-minute effort. So he is splitting a lot of time with Derrick Rose. But what he does give you is the ability to kind of knife in and, and use angles and, and kind of carve up the defense and create these drives that will now open up shooters. And I don't think the Knicks really had that a year ago because that threat – um, you know, from their point guard position, uh, when you're well, Frank didn't really play last year, but um, you know, when you're talking about the guards that they did have, you no know, disrespect to Reggie Bullock, but he's not a guy that he's not going to create his own shot. He's going to be a guy that's looking for a catch and shoot opportunity. Um, you now have Kemba Walker who can do both. So it's not elite Kemba Walker, but it's still an upgrade and, and a different style of uh, player that I think the Knicks needed a year ago. Uh, and we saw that in the postseason. They were a lot easier to guard. The Hawks made quick work of them. I think they're going to be a lot harder to guard, especially in the half court for teams. But again, I'm still learning. Uh, it's still early in the season. But from what I've seen and from what the numbers tell me, I, I think this Knicks team is a little bit more versatile offensively or can be at least than they were last year. Interesting. I just, it's a lot of veterans, the Knicks. Like, I didn't have them as a playoff team coming into this year. I think they're still probably going to slide down a little bit. I I mean, Rose is getting starts. Like, I don't know how, what, what the ceiling is with Quickly. I don't know if Obi Toppin's ever going to become a consistent contributor on this group. Like, they're working Mitchell Robinson back in. Like, what did you see from him? Do you think he's going to help things? Um, do you think he's a natural fit? Because that was something that they, I mean, Nerlens Noel was really good for them last year. And... I don't know. I mean, Knox is, is just a, he's, he's gone. Like Knox is not a, not a fixture of anything anymore. But um, when you look at that group and especially inside, like, does it all work? Does it all make sense to you? It does if they're healthy. You know, mm. <laughs> when you talk about Mitchell Robinson, he's just never been healthy. Right. Um, you know, that, that's really the issue with him. He only played 31 games a year ago uh, and he's had a decent start to the season this year. Um, you know, giving them the room protection that I think that they need. And uh, outside of Nerlens Noel, um, you know, they, he, he can really anchor their defense. But last night he didn't play because he's, he's injured again. And um, it, it's really tough. Uh, it's really, really tough when you look at, um, you know, what they've had up front with, with Mitchell Robinson because he has so much potential to just be a guy like a Marcus Camby. Um, he's not going to score. He's not going to be 20 and 10. But he can be 10 and 10 and, and, and average about, you know, over two blocks a game. And that should be fine and within what they're trying to do. And he's a great vertical, you know, rim threat uh, offensively, a guy that can go up and get a uh, any lob. You throw anywhere near the square, he can throw it down. And that just gives you easy buckets. We, we saw, um, you know, in the playoffs, that really killed the Knicks because they weren't able to do anything uh, when, when Clint Capella was rolling to the rim and just, you know, dunking on them or John Collins was rolling to the rim and dunking on them. They didn't have that rim protector outside of Nerlens Noel. You, you can't just depend on him to do everything. 
I think Mitchell Robinson's probably uh, a little bit more mobile than Nerlens Noel is at this point in his career. He's also longer uh, and maybe even a better rim protector than he is. Uh, and, and that's no disrespect to Nerlens Noel. He was incredible last year for, for New York. Um, but I think Mitchell Robinson just has that it factor. The only problem is he's not healthy. Um, and, you know, if they were able to get both those guys rolling at the same time where you, you really don't give the opposing team a break when you have Mitchell Robinson start and Nerns the come off the bench, you just always have a rim protector and a uh, vertical threat offensively on the floor. I think it would open up a lot more for the New York Knicks and make them more of a, um, you know, really a problem, uh, at least in the first round in the Eastern Conference. But I, I, my heart really just this goes out to Mitchell Robinson because I, I do think the world of this guy. I mean, you, you were looking at Mitchell Robinson early in his career. Um, you know, everyone likes to look at those YouTube highlight videos. Um, you know, this, this dude was taking threes. Like, what if he added that to this game? Everyone was thinking about that. He, he hasn't translated into real life yet. He's never taken a three in his NBA career. But there was times where he was in, you know, in the gym and working on the – the step back three and, and everything else off the bounce. So there's a lot of talent there. Um, you know, the, the main thing is he just has to stay healthy and stay on the floor to show us that talent. Okay. Are you more of a Thomas Bryant guy or a Mitchell Robinson guy? I'm a big Mitchell Robinson guy. Okay. I, I love Thomas Bryant. I love what he brings to the table. He's another guy that just struggled with with, uh, with staying on the floor. But I, I think Mitchell Robinson has, I think, like I said, the, the Marcus can be, um, you know, aspect to him where you can plug him in anywhere. And he, he, he's just going to give you numbers. I think Thomas Bryan, a little, you have to give him the ball a little bit more in his spots to keep him engaged in games. I don't think he can go, you know, a full quarter and maybe touch the ball twice and still give you the same effort defensively. I think Mitchell Robinson is the reverse of that. You don't have to run plays for him. He's just going to get he's just going to get the ball, find it, whether it's on the offensive glass, whether it's screening hard and rolling hard to the bucket. And even if he doesn't get the pass every single time, he's still going to give you the defensive effort. I don't know if Thomas Bryant will give you that if the offense isn't there for him. Okay. Um, what story through 10 games has intrigued you the most? I think it's the rookies. Okay. Um, how, how, how good these rookies have been, and, and also on the flip side, how bad some of them have been. Uh, when, when you look at um, you know what uh, Scotty Barnes has meant to the Toronto Raptors this year, um, he hasn't even played 10 games yet because I know he missed time with the hand injury. But he has been arguably the best rookie. And I'll say arguably because I'm going to get to my second uh, best rookie in a second. But what he's done stepping in for Toronto at this time uh, and, and basically replacing an all-star in Pascal Siakam is, is really nothing to sneeze at. And, and this is a guy that was coming off the bench last year for Florida State playing uh, you know, uh, at the point guard position. Uh, a lot of the time he's leading all the rookies and scoring right now I think he's at 16 points per game I know he's leading, leading them in rebounds over eight a game uh, defensively he's just a menace and really has plugged in well to that Toronto Raptors lineup and kept them in you know back to the top last year I think they fell off defensively a little bit playing in Tampa maybe that had something to do with it but they really fell off defensively and teams are scoring on them almost at will this year, they're a little bit tougher to score against. Um, you know, they're scrappy, and, and, and it has to do with the fact that Scotty Barnes could guard multiple positions, and he, and he does it at a high level. For a rookie to come in and really defend at a high level right out of the gate without really having the experience to know better, to watch tape, to work with guys and scheme, that shows you something that, uh, you know, we shouldn't take for granted at, you know, at, the, at the tender age of 19. So I, I really like what I see out of Scotty Barnes. The other rookie that, when I said arguably, uh, I think Evan Mobley has been just as good as mm. Scotty Barnes uh, in a different way. Evan Mobley, you know, 15 points per game, uh, eight rebounds. Uh, you know, you, you, can, you can talk about the defense with the blocks as well. He's playing, you know, I think up until maybe uh, a couple games ago, he was playing the most, the most of his minutes at the small four position. Yeah. Um, you know, which is basically out of position for him. I, I think he's a, a four and probably should be. Uh, even a five when he get, fills out. The East is big, man. This, Mike Woodson said it yeah, a decade ago. This, this dude was playing at the three and still giving you the great numbers and giving you the input and the output. And he's playing with a ball, dominant guards and Colin Sexton and, and, uh, and, and Darius Garland, who, by the way, is, is, is playing well lately. I know Sexton was playing well until he got hurt. But he's still finding a way to contribute. And once he figures it out, he, he's going to be special. You just see the it factor with him. Talking about you know New York, he was in the garden and, and and he just came alive and he was knocking down corner threes in a big spot. And 
Well, that was Ricky Rubio's night. Let's to... let's not get it twisted. That was, was Ricky Rubio going 19 for 19 from three and uh, doing every little thing. Uh, Ricky Rubio, I think he yeah. did end up with 77 points in that one. People forget. Yeah, yeah, maybe even a thousand. He probably broke the scoreboard. Honestly. He was hitting Puget but, threes I, in that one that were just preposterous. Like when Rubio beats you like that, I mean, a lot of those were really good looks for him. And it's just, uh, it just you you concede defeat. You're like, okay, Ricky Rubio beat us from three, whatever, w- whatever. Yeah, but but you but think about this. So Rubio goes and has a career night. I think mm. it, true, truthfully, all jokes aside, the, the thirty nine points that the I think it was what he was nine nine for nine for yeah. three. He was terrific, right? In even in the midst of that happening, Evan Mobley still had moments where you're like, oh, like he also is, is also balling out. Like he, he's also knocking down that clutch three to, you know, to hold off the Knicks and close this win out. So, I mean, for a rookie to have that in him, in, you know, in that in his game, uh, he, he played well in L.A. as well. Um, if you match up his stats, you know, they really, you know, compare well for the first part of the season anyway uh, to, you know, to a young Kevin Garnett, to a young uh, Anthony Davis. Um, I don't want to compare him to those guys. I want to say that he's just the first Evan Mobley. It, he, he's that good. He just needs to be in a mold of his own. He does remind me of Chris Bosh a lot, you know, growing up in oh, Toronto okay. and getting to see the Raptors play a lot. Um, Chris Bosh, people forget, before he went to Miami, this dude was 20 and 10. You know, like this dude was an all-star. He was carrying a team. Um, you know, he was he was stepping out and knocking down threes back when it wasn't cool yet to do that. Um, he was a guy that was able to, you know, pump fake on a perimeter, put it on the deck and, and take you down to the hole. And he still had to figure out a way to, to to get those rebounds because there was no one else on the team to do that. Um, you know, reluctantly playing the five spot uh, and when he really wanted to be a four. Chris Bosch was doing all that stuff at a, a very high level uh, before he went to Miami. And, and Evan Mobley, I, I think he had some of that in him. Uh, Cleveland is is one wing away, I think. Um, you know, to, before they complete this rebuild, and, and you know, maybe they end up with that wing coming out of this year's draft. There's a lot of great players coming into the in this draft class um, for you know a lot of great uh, a lot of great talent coming out of college this, this year. And if Cleveland's able to get their hands on one of them, and he ends up being something special. I think they'll be right back in the mix of really building something uh, that they can finally get back to competing at a high level in Cleveland. Well, I mean, they're great on the road, which is super weird to this point. Um, for a young team. Yeah, for a young team. They're 5-3 and three on the road. Um, they've won four straight. But it's interesting you think that the last piece of the puzzle is a wing when I'm just... I, I think it... I mean, I don't know what you think about Okoro, but Sexton being the odd man out, obviously, and Garland, I think, with his moonball threes, he is a delight to watch. Um, very undersized when you watch him, but he's mm-hmm. he's good. Yeah, I think he's getting better as a player, and I think he's not going to be the best player on a great team, but I think he can be the number two, number three on a great team. And like you said, Mobley's been awesome, but I just I wonder if it's a, a creator. Like I think the reason, part of the reason that they have improved this year is Rubio, and I think having Garland play next to a player like that kind of. Uh, more of it, not necessarily a wing, but just more of someone who takes the pressure off and where he can spot up and he doesn't, he's not asked to, to be that do it all guy. I just think uh, upgrading there might be my play. I don't know who that is for them, but I also think they might, what if, what if this has real staying power and they don't have an opportunity and they're biting the apple uh, when it comes to the top of the lottery for one of those good do it all type guys. Like, I don't know if that person might present themselves um, anytime soon for them. If they're, if this I is mean- real. Yeah, I'm hoping. I mean, Cleveland fans, are, I'm sure, are hoping that it doesn't. But mm. when I say wing, I think I think when you look at every championship team, really, in NBA history, um, the, I, I don't know what the, the, the stat is, but I would go out and say at least 70% of them has won because they had great wing play. Mm. And, you know, you can have nice guards, you could have nice bigs and everything else, but if you don't have a wing score defender, playmaker whatever the case is you really just don't win at a high level anymore um you know take a look at the last couple champions championships you know the, the bucks winning last year uh you know chris middleton and Giannis. those are two really good i, I guess you could call Giannis a big but really chris middleton at the wing position he's the one that kind of took that next step and was able to close games for them and i think that's what the cleveland cavaliers are missing they don't necessarily have to have 
uh, you know, uh, another LeBron. But if you have a solid wing player, which they don't have now, Okoro, yeah, nice guy, nice, uh, nice defender. He's never going to be, uh, you know, offensively uh, what Chris Middleton brings mm-hmm. to the Bucks. He's never going to be that. That's not his game. You need someone that's going to be able to score on the other end. And Rubio's great, but at the end of the day, when the chips are down, you need someone that can get you a bucket for the win. Rubio's not going to be that guy. Uh, to break down a defender, he, he's going to need a screen to do that. Um, you know, unless every game that he plays from here on out, he plays a Madison Square Garden, which I don't think you know will be the case. So you, you need on the wing a guy that can get his own and also finish uh, a game for you. And I, I just don't see that in Cleveland right now. They just don't have that type of player. Garland, as you said, he's, he's maybe he's that. They they have the willingness. Sucks. Sexton definitely has the willingness to take big shots. But they're just not those guys, uh, and I think like that has to come from your wing scorer. And every every championship, uh, if you look at it, you know, go right down to basketball reference and, and look at the champions and look at the wing play. There, there aren't any suspect wings on those championship teams. These are guys that have either are either all star level or or superstar level that you're winning championships with. I mean, that's the biggest impediment to the Jazz getting over the hump, right? Like they've mastered pick and roll basketball and pick and roll coverage, and they have just so much talent at Conley, Mitchell, Gobert, but where they're lacking is the Royce O'Neal spot, um, the the Joe Ingles spot. Like they don't have that last little wing to get them over the hump because, I mean, I still, my preseason finals prediction this year was Jazz Bucks. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see if that happens, but I, I, I'm just betting on Mitchell getting to that next level and I just, I'm a big Donovan Mitchell guy, but, and I'm also a big Mike Conley guy. I, I don't know. Like that does scare me. And like you said, the history um, with the lack of wing depth there, um, I guess they have depth. They don't really have the, the, the guy who they're going to throw at somebody like Rudy Gay is not going to be that. I think he is a great signing for them, but he's still not sure. going to be that final uh, push you over the top type wing guy. So I don't know. I mean, they have the, the, the collection of assets to maybe do something about that and address it mid season, but we shall see. We shall see. Um, I also will say, like you mentioned Mobley and um, who was the other rookie you, you just mentioned when we were talking about rookie? Oh, Barnes. Scotty Barnes. Yes. Um, you didn't mention uh, Jalen Green or Kate Cunningham. And I think Jalen Green, I would be pretty surprised if he's not the, he doesn't get the most all-star appearances of the group. Um, I think his scoring right now is, he is a delight. Like I love watching the Rockets. Um, he is, he's already just a scoring machine. And I think he's going to be a superstar the fastest of the group um i don't know if you agree with that but from what i've seen is just he's gonna he's already scoring with ease and i think he's just gonna be putting up preposterous uh numbers earlier rather than later and also he can handle a crazy usage like he's someone that you can if you're steven silas you're okay doing that and then the the kevin porter wild card like we'll see what happens there but they're gonna be bad and they're gonna continue to be bad and they're gonna be able to pair jalen green with somebody else and then Cade. it's only been a week but Cade was the safest Scotty Barnes is probably the biggest swing of that early lottery group. And then Evan Mobley mm. being there. But like, I think Cade might figure to be the worst of those four. And I don't even think he's bad. I think Cade's going to be good. I think he's solid. He just doesn't change anything for Detroit. He's not like, if I had to bet on who gets the, who has the highest ceiling of those four, I think he might have the lowest ceiling of the four. Am I crazy? For, I think he has the highest floor but I think he has the lowest ceiling. Does, is that fair based on what we've seen thus far from the other guys and just the kind of skill set he has? I don't know. I, 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 I'm a big Kate Cunningham fan. I, I do think that he has a, a it factor that you just don't see show up in the box okay. score. There, there's going to be times where he's just going to be on the floor directing traffic and you know it, it's going to turn into a good play. Uh, I watched the entire game, uh, Pistons game. I don't know why I did that to myself. Mm. I watched the entire Pistons game between uh, them and the Brooklyn Nets. I think it was on Friday. You're a big Kelly on Atlanta guy. Oh, yeah. But only because – and Kelly's my guy. I love (laughs) Kelly. Uh, But only because because, uh, I wanted to see Kate, and I wanted to be able to watch him in full. And being able to see him in full was, you know, uh, I guess this Nets team go up against Kevin Durant, and he's – you know, you got to see a little bit of the physicality he brought to the table. He is coming off an ankle injury, and I, and I don't think he's at full speed yet. I, I do think that he's still kind of nursing that injury, and maybe it came back a little bit early. And ankles could take a while to really heal fully. Um, so we may not ever see him uh, at, at full strength, um, you know, this season. It, it, it may be he's always going to be 80% on that ankle for the entire year. 
Um, but that just goes to show you how tough the kid is. So I think the one thing that you know really has made him look tough or, or not as good as he, he could be, I mean, you could put a hula hoop up there and he would not hit a jump shot. He, he's really struggling from the field with his shot. Uh, I, I believe right now he's shooting, um, you know, under 30% from the field, under 25% from the field CT. Like that's, I can do that. You, you can do that right now. You know, it, 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 25% um, should be the bare minimum. So once he starts to find his shot and become a little bit more efficient, his numbers are going to look better. And I think people will have a little bit more respect for, you know, the, the, the I guess the, the game that he's having. Keep in mind with the injury, he, he's kind of coming in into a race where everyone's running full speed and he's just kind of jogging into it. I don't think he will really be able to truly tell what he's going to be until February-ish. Um, you know, let him work himself into shape, let him get that ankle heel, let him figure out that jump shot and start and start kind of turning it around. On the on the Jalen Green side, I'm not I'm not a big a fan as big a fan of Jalen Green as as most are. Oh, no. He's a great scorer. Mm-hmm. He is a great scorer, but what else? You know, there's a lot of guys in this league that can fill it up. But what else is he going to bring to the table? Is he a good defender? I don't. I haven't seen it. Um, he's six six though. He is six six. He does have the tools to be, but mm-hmm. he hasn't. He hasn't been a uh, you know a good defender at any level. Um, you know, last year watching him in the G League, he, it's not like he was locking those guys down. Um, you know, and and not to say that he's going to come out of the gate and and be a great defender. He's not Scotty Barnes or, or Evan Mobley, but at least give me the effort on that end. We haven't seen that yet. Um, you know, on the flip side, outside of his, you know, scoring, he's an average playmaker. I think he's, he's a playmaker out of necessity. Like, uh, all right, you're going to bring the double team. I'll, I can, you know, make a read or two and, and find something there. But I'm not seeing him kind of getting other people involved. So I think, you know, as a scorer, great, cool. But uh, what's that going to do for the Rockets long term? Is that, you know, there's a lot of people in this league that can score a lot. Um, you know, what else are you bringing to the table is really what I have to, to ask with, with, with Jalen Green. And you know, granted, the, the talent around him is tough. You know, it's not, it's not a great Rocket team. They, they stink, uh, to be quite honest. And he is, as a youngster, seeing the other team's best defender every night because there isn't that much talent around him. So I am going to give him a pass there because, some, you know, you're walking into the league and all of a sudden you're looking across from you and you're seeing Paul George guard you or on, on any given night. And, and then you leave that and you, and you, and you got to see, uh, you know, name any, any great defender in the league. You know, even even the we just mentioned Royce Young, he's, he's a great defender, um, you know, a good enough defender. Marcus Smart's out there. They're all going to be guarding Jalen Green on this Rockets team because he's he's the best scorer on the team. So he's still have, he's having to figure out life in the NBA and also having to figure out as a number one option. Um, but I would like to see more layers to his game at this point, and I just haven't seen it yet. Okay. Um, there was a piece in the Ringer by Kevin O'Connor that had uh, the ten NBA players in the verge of a breakthrough. Thank goodness a Hawk made this group, even though the Hawks are now. <laughs> Uh, three games below 500 after the Steph Curry 50 point. It is early. Um, I was actually texting uh, Ringers Jonathan Sharks about this today, but because um, he asked me what he uh, like, what I what I thought about the, the group and where they're going, and um, with friends, like we're talking about this, and like I've always been a big Cam guy, and my biggest question was if the the Hawks are going to be able to wait on him, and if they were going to like the timeline shifted when you signed Bogey and Gallo, and we don't have to relitigate all that, but the timelines were always going to be questionable with him, and um, now we're seeing the the flip side of having no depth to having too much, where they have a lot of guys, and this isn't even including Anyaka and Kongwu, who's fantastic and I think going to be a star in this league. He's out um, until twenty twenty two. And you look around and you watch this and yeah, part of it's Trey's not getting the foul calls and part of it is there are a lot of mouth to feed. Part of it is DeAndre Hunter is still just, he's fine, but he's doesn't, he's not doing the on the ball stuff and lighting up the score sheet that he kind of needs to do. Like Trey does need someone to kind of step up and be like, all right, uh, when we need stuff, we, we got to figure out who our, who our best five is. And I don't think Nate McMillan knows who that is at the present time. Um, and Cam just being this much farther along, I think maybe threw a wrench into that, but I think they're going to have to decide between Cam and Hunter sooner rather than later, especially after paying Herder. Um, I don't know. I think all of that's interesting. Reddish is a different player. I think Reddish still has the highest ceiling. Um, I still would prefer to sell high on Hunter before that knee completely goes. Um, that uh, that would be great because um, I am not a Hunter long-term guy whatsoever. So really? I'd like to get off that okay. contract or get off that player sooner rather than later. Uh, I would like to move on. Um, the Gallo contract for sure is another one I would be looking to move. Um, but like the players that you would want to move if you're Atlanta 
for this like collection of young assets like uh, those guys aren't available yet like bradley beal is not available carl anthony towns is not available so i wouldn't just do it to do it but if jalen brown if he's up there and you can talk to boston because you know who would love the hodgepodge of first round picks and uh reddish and deandre hunter brad stevens like that dude would love those two guys and if you can you could find a way to do that jalen brown who fits the timeline more neatly and you go trey jalen Collins, Bogey, and Capella, and if you eventually Enyeka and Kongwu down the stretch, I, 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 I a core two of Trey and Jalen is. Uh, you're, you're talking yourself into these fantasy fantasy trades. Wait, hold on, hold on. Hang up on you like uh, like your Daryl Morey. You know, I don't think that's a bad trade for Jalen Brown. Do you think that's a bad trade, Hunter Reddish and I, I, first round I pick? I think any trade for Jalen Brown right now is a bad trade if you're the Boston Celtics. I heard hmm. I really do. Uh, you know, the, the Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum haven't had the great start to the season. I get mm. that. Um, that partly is because Jaylen, you know Jason Tatum hasn't been able to hit a shot. You know, he, he's, he's shooting like he's shooting horrible from the um, from the field. And once that turns around, they're they're back in the mix. Like this is a team that at the core with those two guys so far. You know, uh, three of the last five years they've made the conference finals. They're just they're just they're right there. Uh, and they haven't even hit their their peak yet. Like they're they're not even in their prime of their career. They're very young. Like if you if you went to uh, did a you know a, a under twenty four and under or twenty five and under list, both those guys would still be there. You know, it, it takes time for for teams in Boston. But um, you know, w- with the Hawks, I think you're, the main problem with the Hawks that I'm seeing, they're not defending like they did. Uh, you know, hmm. back in last year. Um, you know, at post All Star, this is a team that was close to the top ten defense. And people always talked about the offense and everything else. And, and I'm not saying that they're going to go out there and lock teams down. That's not them. That's not that's not the, the Atlanta Hawks. They're not going to win that way. Um, you know, they're they're not the, the Warriors. They're not the Knicks. Um, you know, they, they're not going to win via defense. But right now, it's a turnstile. You know, teams are scoring on them. Uh, you know, at will. And and it, and it seems like they're playing games to just outscore the other team because they have all that talent that you mentioned. Um, you know, they have the 27th ranked defense right now if you're judging by defensive rating that's horrible like this is a team that last year um you know where it was able to keep some of these you know in, especially in the playoffs we were seeing them with a 90 score you know up there you know, it, keeping teams under 100 and you know you're giving up 111 points uh, per 100 possessions that's not good enough uh and, and it's not winning at a high level so until that turns around and i don't know if that's going to happen overnight but until that turns around this hawks team is going to underachieve big time okay we'll see i have no idea what's going to happen and i'm sure they're going to get time to figure it all out but um i'm very curious to see to see what happens there um but of that list who who struck you the most is like most likely is it jaw for you um with the biggest ceiling is it bridges is it hero who of that uh, 10 stood out the most to you I love Ja. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he's an MVP candidate. If, if I had to vote right now, I'd go Steph one, KD two, and mm. Jaw three. Um, Jaw's been really good, uh, and the only reason why I can't put Jaw high. six and four, you know, record for them by their standards. But when you're talking about MVP here, um, you, you, you've got to be at the top of the conference, bona fide, locked in. And, you know, middle of the pack is, is cute, but it, it's not going to get it done. Um, so I, I really, you know, he can be in the conversation this year. I just don't know if the Grizzlies are going to win enough games for that to happen. Uh, the Warriors are off to an incredible start. You mentioned the Jazz. The Jazz are a great regular season team. Who knows what happens to them in the playoffs? We know in the regular season they're going to have enough wins to be either the one or two seed in the Western Conference. I just don't think the Grizzlies can get there. But what the one thing that is encouraging about John Morant is this. I am starting to see this team sort of, uh, you know, form into him. Like, it, it, they're mirroring the way that he plays. They're mirroring him as their leader. And the great teams always mirror their leader. It, it, they come into games with a chip on their shoulder. Um, you know, it, they, they, they come to the games with, like, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to earn our respect. You're not just going to give it to us. We're going to take it. And and that's the way that John Morant plays. Like all the all you know, his entire Zion, 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 and he had to listen to all that. And you don't think he was competitive enough to say, hey, right at this point, you think maybe New Orleans might want to do over and and, and consider Zion, Zion, or sorry, John number one at least. I'm not saying that they would have made the, the decision to pick him over Zion, but at least they would consider him. Um, so. 
this is a, a guy that has an underdog mentality and the Grizzlies have that mentality and, and they're feeding off that. They're not even fully healthy yet. Like, uh, Dylan Brooks hasn't really played yet. Uh, I don't know what happened to Brandon Clark, but he just fell off a cliff. He, he could be a lot better. Maybe they trade him and, and get him a new scenario and, and, and figure things out there. But this is a team that is uh, really, you know, wherever Jaw goes is really how this team is going to go. And I think, you know, for the first time ever in Memphis, they have a, a league-wide star. Uh, you know, like the, the, you can go outside of Memphis and maybe see John Moran jerseys. I don't know that you would have said that in the, during the Paul Gasol era. I don't know that you would have said that in the Grit and Grind era with Zebo and, and, and Marcus Gasol and, and Tony Allen. Like maybe they would have but they wouldn't have. I think nowadays, you know, you can go into, I don't know, uh, Boone, North Carolina, and even you know even further south, and and people are going to be talking about John Moran. He's, he's he's that type of player, and you know for the next ten years at least, uh, you know in, in Memphis, you should have a star that you really build around, and you know a, a guy that maybe attracts other people that to, to come play in Memphis. You know I, I don't think they would have had that before. I think it would have been the reverse. It would be the guys that are begging you to get out of Memphis. That might be attracting people to come to Memphis to play a little bit. That with the solidity players. It's competitiveness, the will to win, everything else. So, uh, out of those guys, I, I'm definitely picking John Moran. Uh, there's no question about it. And the guy to root for the most, I think, is OG. Like OG and OB, I, I, I hope it all works out. I mean, the Raptors. Lovely. I could not encourage anyone less to to watch the Raptors on League Pass if you don't have to. They're they're a rough rough watch. Um, it's fun if you're a if you're a basketball sicko. As the kids say on the internet, then yeah, go watch some Raptors. But if you're not, please stay away. Because as fun as the clips are of Scotty Barnes, um, the rest of the game doesn't uh, unfold that way. They're they're a little bit tougher to, to get through. But we'll see. If OG can be... I don't know. If the consistency's there, um, if he gets to the line more consistently, if the shot's there, if he can be the point forward that I think we saw, what was that now, two summer leagues ago? Um, if he's that guy without Kyle Lowry and... With, like maybe maybe um but i don't know i don't even know if the raptors make the playoffs we'll have to see um so you seem like we we mentioned jalen a little bit uh carlin so you would not do a ben simmons for jalen brown swap if you're Absolutely your boston Absolutely not okay no, i would not i mean that is there any kind of deal you would do to shake things up or are you just like okay. it's all gonna be fine and we're gonna laugh about freaking out about boston three months from now i think it's just too early to give up on the I think it's just too early to give up on Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. Like they, they, mm. They're young enough that you have time to figure it out. It, I think why people are rushing things through is that they had so much success early on, so you're hoping that they get back there. And you know, in, in people's minds, they go, okay, they got to the conference finals, like I said, three of the last five years, so they should have been in the finals. That means they should have won a championship by now. But it doesn't work like that. Like The league is, is, is tough. It's hard to win, man. Like it's, It is really, really hard to win. They tried some things out with Gordon Hayward. didn't work out. They tried it out with Kemba Walker. That didn't work out either. They're figuring out in Boston how to build around these two all-stars, really. And and in Tatum's case, he could even be a superstar. And I think Brown is getting closer to that. I think if you ask all people in Boston to to who is the better player, some people, a lot more people would pick Jalen Brown than I think the rest of the country would realize. And, you know, to to have that talent on the team together – you got to figure it out. We saw what happened in OKC with KD, you know, and, and, and Russ and, and Harden. Like, they had so much talent there, and they could not figure out a way to get past and then get over the hump. And, and now what do they have to show for? They have a million draft picks, great, but can they ever get back another KD? Can they ever get back a Harden or, or, or a Russ? Who knows? Yeah, so uh, the answer is no. Them drafting three straight yeah. Hall of Famers, I, I have my doubts. Right. Yeah, and it, it, it's it, it, I'll give them a zero point one percent chance because you never want to say never. But and in Boston's case, like you fell into, uh, you know, you, you fell into Jason Tatum. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot of people that were saying Marco Fultz is the best player of that draft, and for some reason you were able to convince Philly to go up and get him, and you ended up with the best player, uh, you know, possibly out of that draft, and and he fell into your lap, and and you paired him with a guy that is just you know getting gradually better every single year. They have two of the best wings. You know, if you, if you had to rank the best wing duos in the NBA, I don't think you can name three before before you get to them. Hmm. So, and they're young. Like that's the other thing. Like I, I know we're in a microwave society, but these guys are young. You know, you're talking about 24 year olds. They they're not going to retire tomorrow. You know, there is time on the clock for these guys to develop. They're not even at the peak. They're not even in the prime of their careers. 
there is time for them to figure it out. So I, I would not move uh, Jalen Brown or, or, or Jason Tatum anytime soon, um, especially not this season. I mean, it, it would be crazy because you started slow that, you know, this is the case. You know, you have a new head coach. Uh, you know, Jason Tatum is not going to shoot as poorly as he is shooting right now for the entire season. He's going to figure it out at some point. He's that good. And, and you're figuring out a new system. And it's also 10 games in. What, what are we doing here? Like, let's just take a, take, take a breath. I think part is of it is the Marcus Smart. Right now? I think part of it is the Marcus Smart uh, blow up and sure. questions there. I think that's that's the main thing is just that like there's frustration about shot selection tatum struggles like it's a confluence of events and like oh did you allocate your your off-season resources the correct way was the shooter signing actually a good one was it like do you have a distributor problem like there's just i I think there's maybe just a lot of questions about the the assortment of talent that they have um and whether or not this is the right way to to go about it going forward and that like and when you're talking a lot about grant williams being awesome then you know the boston celtics are in trouble and as a tennessee volunteer right here if you're spending a lot of time talking about the celtics and you're saying man great lamps great stuff so far then you're like oh they clearly have a losing record so if that's the case then things are bad like he's one of those guys yeah, if look. you hear something about him then you know things are bad if you hear skylar mays is really cooking for team x guess what that team's not doing well there are certain guys if you hear their name and you hear hey doing some stuff if you that means that people skipped over seven other important players to get to that player, so you never want sure. that to be the I, case. I get that, and but but I want to just say, you know, caution everyone by mm-hmm. just just take it easy, you know, take a break. It, it, first of all, these are young guys. Jalen Brown last year, by the way, an All Star, right? Like mm-hmm. it, this is a guy that made the All Star team, and they flamed out in the playoffs. One because they were playing a Brooklyn Nets team that probably would have won the championship had Kyrie Irving and James Harden didn't, didn't you know don't get hurt. They, they probably win the championship. So. Mm-hmm. You get to peel them in the first round. And secondly, Jalen Brown missed the playoffs because he was hurt. Like, people forget that this team, uh, you know, they've had some bad luck along the way. But when they're healthy, when those two guys are together, um, you know, they they can figure it out. And my whole thing is you got to keep them together and figure out a way to build around them. I can agree with you. You know, the Marcus Smart thing blowing up. That happens on any team. He, he's just a guy that said it in front of a microphone. Every team has goes goes through those issues. But figuring out, and this is Brad Stevens' new job, but figuring out how to build around those two guys, and he has time to do it. He, he's got a lot of time in front of him to do. They're they're both locked in for for a number of years, so there is no rush with these two. I, I think in two years from now, in two years' time, both of them are going to be closer to their prime, or at least in their primes of their career, and they still can't figure it out then maybe it's time to move. Or if they both say, if they, one of them, decides, like the Ben Simmons situation, if they decide, hey, I don't want to be here anymore, that's when you decide to move. But I haven't heard that from either of them. Uh, and, and there's plenty of time to, for, for Boston to get back to the mountaintop with them there. Okay. Uh, we'll end on the Denver Nuggets, Carlin, who, I mean, what a night on Twitter.com uh, with the Denver Nuggets and <laughs> the Morris brothers. And, um, it's still I, going. It's still going. I, I don't know what the Morris brothers are angling for here, but I, I just, from my reading on uh, on the possibilities here, I, I would be like, eh, maybe sit this one out. Maybe just be like, you know, hey, we got out of there. I, I'm not messing with the Jokic brothers. I think, uh, I think I'm good there. Uh, I think I don't want any of that. Um, it was a weird situation, and I don't. We don't need to rehash everything that happened there. The the videos out there, but uh, yeah, Jokic deserves a suspension, but also just a weird shoulder check from Morris there to instigate it, um, and then Jokic went t- way too far the other way. Both are in the wrong, probably, but uh, I, I get um, the seer- like what happened, and the Nuggets obviously got blown out last night, and then. The, the storming of the locker room, stuff like that. Just the NBA. They, they can't help themselves. We have to be dramatic all the time. And this is coming yeah. from a, a gigantic, a gigantic Jimmy Butler guy. Uh, but let's all settle right. down. Let's all breathe here. Um, that being said, on the Nuggets side of things, it seems like everyone is a believer in the Nuggets if they're healthy. And uh, we don't know what happens in the finals or in the uh, NBA Western Conference finals if jamal murray's there if jamal murray is around for the nuggets do we see an nba finals appearance for denver or do we get uh the sun still i don't know we'll never know what would have happened if jamal murray was around for the playoffs for 
Denver last year, and that's a shame because it may be like with Jokic's MVP season, like that was the year to make it all work. And also because Michael Porter Jr., you're still playing uh, playing a risky game of his future because of his health stuff. Like the back stuff never went away. It was just more of like, well, we got another year out of it. Let's see what happens. And then you pay him um, the max, and now I'm just like, so he has some he has some sort of back injury where Malone said 23 hours ago that he's out for the foreseeable future, and then Brett Siegel of um, HoopAnalysis.net reported that like he's listed as questionable for the game tomorrow night against the Pacers. So I have no idea what to make of Michael Porter Jr.'s injury status at the moment. Um, I can report on his vaccination status. He's been very clear on that one, but um, I don't know. What do you make of the Nuggets? Going forward, are you really concerned now with Jamal Murray already being out? They didn't have a lot of room for air there. And Michael Porter Jr. potentially re-injuring that back. And then if that's a lingering issue, do we just cancel the Nuggets out as contenders altogether? I, I have them uh, with a, with an open window for mm. the next two or three years in terms of okay. uh, you know competing and, and making the finals at least. Um, I, what Jokic did last year was he, he yes he won MVP but what he really did uh, uh, CT is is he proved to everybody that he can be the leader on a, a championship contender before jamal murray goes down um you know I, I was getting ready to say you know this nuggets team is going to make the finals and i i think i i firmly believe that if they were healthy last year seeing how phoenix how the playoffs you know turned out um i would have had them in the finals i, I really would have and mm. that, that includes with a healthy clippers team who by the way you know, if Kawhi Leonard doesn't go down, uh, you know, I, I think maybe they have a, a banner finally hanging up instead of selfies in, in L.A. for the Clippers. But I, I really think, um, you know, a healthy Nuggets team last year with the way that Jokic was playing, the way that Murray can take over, you know, late game situations and have those outbursts where he goes for 50 in a night. I, I think the Nuggets had enough to to compete for a championship and, 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 and get to the finals last year. So having said that, um, Jokic has come back this year and he's at the level that he, he was at last year. Like he's at an MVP level if you look at his numbers. And to me, the biggest turn for me as a Jokic guy is the defensive end. There was times maybe two or three years ago where the Nuggets, uh, you know, and this is when Mason Plumlee was still on the team. The Nuggets would have, you know, maybe final possessions in a game, um, you know, last possession for the other team to, to be able to score and, and win the game. And the Nuggets have to defend to stop that. And Jokic is sitting on the bench. And for me, if you want to be in the conversation as the pound-for-pound pound best player at your position or the pound-for-pound pound best player in the league, you cannot sit out clutch time minutes on either end of the floor. Like, you got to be in the game. And that was always my argument whenever it was, you know, Embiid versus Jokic. My, my argument was until Jokic gets to the level defensively, he was always great offensively, but until he gets to the level defensively where he at least can stay on the floor, you know, in those great moments, in those in those clutch moments, then he can't be in the same breath as Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid is doing it on both ends of the floor and, and doing it at a high level. I now can say that I think that Jokic is the best uh, big man, if you're not including honest in that conversation, if he's a wing in the league and because he, his defense has gotten to a level where he's not going to be and be like, he's not going to be a defensive player of the year candidate, right? Like he's never going to be that. He's not going to be a, 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 a tremendous shot blocker, but he's using his smarts. He's getting into the right positions. He does these little things. He pokes the ball away. He gets deflections. He, he has more effort on that end of the floor and that's transformed the nuggets as a whole. And I think if they, you know, Jamal Murray is able to come back this year and work himself back into shape, and they, they might be able to scare a team in the playoffs. But I don't think this is the year for them. I think we're a year away from really seeing what they can be as a championship contender if they're all healthy. Um, you know, it, it's just been bad luck for them, right? Like, yeah, I, I mean, Murray yeah, goes down in what April last team. year, and you don't have him at all, and you yeah. still beat the Blazers. I, I mean, I yeah. don't know what would have happened in that Sun series, but. Yeah, I don't know. The Sun series is the Sun series is different. Like, I mean, you needed a Jamal Murray there to score, um, you know, because they just really took Jokic out of it. He, he yeah. had, at that at that point in the season, he was just exhausted. He needed he needed help. Um, so, if Jamal Murray's there. I do think that they make the finals if he's able to come back and look, at, you know, as close to where, where he was when he left. I, I think this is a finals team eventually. But my window for them uh, championship wise was two years. Um, I do want to mention quick though. Mm. We were just talking about we got some Nuggets via. 
um, the Heat. And I will say this because I know you're a big pro wrestling fan as well. Mm. I, I think the Heat are the are, are turning into the heels of the NBA, and it's going to be perfect for them. Um, you know, it, it, this isn't obviously they're not going to get the Heat that they got. No pun intended. Uh, when heels were down there, you know, but this is this is a team that you know is going to come to opposing arenas. What Marcus Morris uh, did last night was disgusting, and I, and I don't think it should be in the game. But there's going to be a lot more of those fouls. Like I was in the building for opening night, and PJ Tucker on the very first play against the Bucks took a very hard foul. Just kind of send a message, like, hey, hey you're not going to just show up and, and and be able to to lay the ball up on us. If you're coming in here, you get in a 90-style foul. And I think those little plays like that, Kyle Lowry is very much a, a petty guy. He's, he's going to do things like that as well in games. Uh, Jimmy Butler, very petty as well. Uh, and, and now you have Morris and, and, and P.J. Tucker. They're just a, they're just a toughness level uh, you know, that, that reminds me of a 90s team. And I think that this is a team that is going to be, you know, in a couple of months, the most hated when they go to the opposing team's arenas because they're going to win. They're going to win some games, and, and they're going to do it in a, in a style that's really going to cheese some people off. So I uh, I, I am saying that if you if you want to buy some heel stock on any team, it, it's going to be it's going to be the the Miami. Interesting. I might go. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I can't relate because I actually like all those players. So it's like, oh, I like Bam. I like Jimmy Butler. I like Lowry. It's like, I don't... I, I, You're I'm, a fan of heels. That's yeah, so it's just... it. I, I don't qualify. But I, I would guess it would be more Nets or Lakers. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think anyone... Uh, the Westbrook conversation, no one can have like a, a real conversation about Russell Westbrook. Everything has to be uh, pretty pretty nuclear when it comes to him. But he doesn't help himself in post-game interviews and stuff like that. I, I don't know. Um, me calling the uh, the Westbrook stuff before the season, I feel good about that one because um, I, I got some pushback. I was like, I don't think he's on the team come playoff time. Like, I don't think this is this is one of those. I just the Buddy Heald thing was the way to go on uh, the Lakers sure. front. But uh, yeah, this was. Uh, I don't think Le- LeBron's a Laker after this year. Do you? I think he's a son. I've already. I don't know if I can uh, gamble on this no, yet. I'm saying he, he's going to be the Laker. He's gonna I don't think Laker, so. He, I think this Laker, is it. It's just the culture. It's okay. Just the culture. If you if you if you had told me that he mm-hmm. didn't win yet. In, in LA, I think the bubble championship kind of just solidified him as a Laker. He just—it's there's a lot more that goes on in LeBron's life outside of basketball. So Phoenix isn't far though. That. Phoenix is not far away yeah. from LA, and where he it's could still live LA. in LA. It's not. It's different when you're you know a Laker than you mm-hmm. are. So it's just it's just it just hits different. Okay, we'll see. I mean, you heard it here first, Carlin. You can circle back. I think uh, Scott was uh, on this podcast when I predicted the late uh, the Raptors to win the NBA finals before they did it that year and uh, we circled back and he's okay. like you you add, I'm I'm just saying I would be sh- I shouldn't say shocked I would be surprised with the way things are going in LA if LeBron was still a Laker after this year I, I would be surprised all right we'll have to wait and see we'll I mean see. LeBron Booker CP LeBron at the minimum yeah, it sounds in like Phoenix <laughs> It sounds it sounds nice on paper, but uh, again, you know, things sounds it sounded great on paper for for most people when uh, when Russell Westbrook ends up in L.A. and look what's happening. See, I don't think it sounded good on paper. Like Russell Westbrook only sounds good on paper in like New York, like on the Knicks. Like Tibbs could figure it out. Like he does it with Derrick Rose. If you plugged Westbrook in there for that situation, yeah, I could see it. Like I could just see him putting up MVP Westbrook and being a top four seat there. I actually could see it being good. But for the majority of teams, no, I don't think so. Especially not the Lakers with what they need. Um, Carlin, what can we check out from you across NBA.com International? Yeah, this uh, this coming week, um, you know, we have Kate Cunningham and uh, Jalen Green. Their only national televised game is going to be on ESPN. I think mm. it's on Wednesday night. Uh, so we have some coverage about that over there on NBA Global. Um, and you know, you can always catch us for Raptors coverage and also Australia coverage. We have NBA Australia. There's uh, there's Jock Londale and. Um, you know, we didn't even talk about uh, Josh Giddy as a rookie. He's, he's playing really well uh, in his first couple of games. Uh, so uh, a lot of coverage for, for the uh, international folks there. But then also uh, there's a mock draft out over on our friends at the Sporting News. Mm. Uh, my good friend Kyle Irving, who's our draft expert over at MA.com and also at the Sporting News, uh, just put out. I know uh, it's college basketball season starts in a couple hours as we're, we're talking right now. And uh, Paulo Benchero, that that guy is the uh, he's going to be a household name before March. And that rarely happens with prospects in, in you know in the college world. It, it, people kind of tune out. It, I mean, if you're not a hardcore fan like you and I, people kind of tune out for college basketball until March, and then they're like, oh, let me catch up, let me cram and figure out who these guys are. 
Paulo Banchero is one of those guys that's going to creep into you know the the, the the casual sports fans' minds. He's that good. He's, he's playing Duke. You know, he's playing at Duke, I should say. And Coach K's last year. The spotlight's going to be bright. He's going to be on the ESPN a lot um, in, in terms of you know top ten plays and all that stuff. But you know him at the top, and then you have the rest of the class. You, you know Chet Holmgren. You have Jaden Hardy. There's so many great players. Um, Peyton Watson. There's so many great players all over the country at the college basketball level that I think without you know the the you know constructs of what we were in last year and all everything that happened with the pandemic i think people will be able to really enjoy college basketball this year and and from a nba draft perspective really get to know these players before we even get to june and they're drafted so uh good friend kyle Irving has his first mock draft out already it is early for it but it's worth it if you're if you're trying to find out who these guys are um, you know, if you're if you're a team like uh, the Lakers, who we just talked about for a little bit, that uh, might be in the lottery. I'm just joking; they're not going to be in the lottery, and I don't even think they have a pick if they were in the lottery. So, yeah, that, that's that's another story for another day. There you go. There you go. A um, lot of great content out there. So go check all that out if you've not already done so. How do the good folks follow you on Twitter? Is it that? Is it the Carlin Gay? Is it that Carlin Gay? What is it? It is. It is the Carlin Gay. You can mm-hmm. that yeah, exactly. Don't tweet no. a lot, but yeah. Numbers. <laughs> there you go there you go give them a follow go check out all the great folks at sporting news and nba.com uh it's it's great basketball is back um so i'm excited uh carlin we are gonna have to reconvene multiple times this season we gotta we gotta make you a freaking contribute uh frequent contributor on this very podcast sir ct every time we talk i always appreciate it my friend so anytime i can uh contribute i'm, I'm here all right sounds great for that guy over there in charlotte north carolina carlin gay for myself chase thomas up here in north in uh, i was about to say north knox that's actually true in knoxville tennessee that is all we've got but we will be back tomorrow thanks carlin nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah